Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 3 about the phrase, Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, as even counters Satan? And we'll learn that the essence of deception is that there is truth, but it is not the whole truth. Now, download this message for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org for free listening and free download, and also available for free listening and free download at iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, for more information on Tom Cantor, he's a scientist, CEO, pastor, Bible teacher, as well as an author, patent owner, and even the 2009 Whistleblower of the Year. For more information about Tom Cantor and his amazing life story, you can go online to friendshipwithgod.org for more information, as well as free resources, as well as resources that Tom Cantor's written for purchase, available right at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now, if you'd like to support this Bible teaching radio program staying on the air, you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and donate online, or you can call us at 800-247-3051. You can call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. We need your support to continue on this station. So 800-247-3051. Now let's enjoy Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 3 about the phrase, Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, as Eve encounters Satan in the garden? And we'll learn that the essence of deception is that there's truth, but it's not the whole truth. And just as it says in Philippians 2.13, God works in you. It should change you. He works in you. He changes your will. He changes what you do. So it'll be of his good pleasure. Isaiah 26.12, The Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. So the works, the doing, is all the work of God in us. It's so easy for us to fall into the trap of negativity and criticism. You know, that spirit will choke, will choke you and me out of the joy that God gives. With that way, Satan has just stepped right into the place of God with those words. Just like God. He used the language of God. That's why it's so important for us in 2 Timothy 2.15 to study thyself approved unto God. What? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing. All right, so there's a progression here with Satan. And we see this how the devil is moving from more and more boldness. More and more boldness. And she's being brought along, and she doesn't even know it. Step one. Yes, yes. I agree with you, yes. God has said, you should not eat of the tree of every garden. No, it wasn't we eat for just one. We couldn't eat one. Step one. Where's he got her in step one? Right where he wants her, in a state of doubt. Well, I'm not quite sure exactly what he said. Touch, something like that, I don't know. Step two, neither shall you touch it. I wonder what happens if I accidentally fall and touch it. That's not fair. Where's he got her? Right where he wants her, in a state of mistrust. Mistrust. Mistrust God, see? Getting her to believe something that's not true about God. Something bad about God. Step three, lest you die. You might die. As in, maybe you'll die if you touch it. I'm so confused right now, I don't really know what I believe. See? What's he got her in? Just where he wants her. In a state of wavering. She's wavering around right now. And then, 
finally, the strike. You should not surely die. Now, where does he have her? In the state of unbelief. That's unbelief right there. When he says, you shall not surely die. That's an absolute opposite of what God said. You see how he moved her along? He moved her along until he could hit her with the venom of, of unbelief. And then he's got her. That pattern is exactly what happens today. Over and over again, you can see it in believing college kids. When they go off to a godless college not prepared for the battle. The professor says, now the Bible says that everything was created in six literal days. Do you really believe that? Well, let's see. I don't know. Doubt. I always got it. First step. Just like Eve. Doubt. Doubt. Well, the Bible does say that a day is like a thousand years. Maybe a thousand years. Right where he's got it. Wavering. Doubt. Wavering. Professor says, anyone who believes in creation is stupid. Well, I wonder if God wants me to be stupid. But what's he got? Mistrusting God. Mistrusting God. God wants to make me stupid. Mistrusting God. Right? And then the, the professor comes out with the bold lie, just like Satan, and says, there was surely a big bang in billions of years. And that's how everything came about. Once you got that, you got unbelief. You got unbelief. Then you got the venom. See? Now, verse 5. God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Here again, we say we see God. He's mimicking the word of God. He's, 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 <laughs> he's sounding like God. In the day you eat thereof. He said, God said, you'll die. And in the day you eat thereof, no, your eyes are going to be open. You'll be as gods. See? It's all about in the day. Okay? He's exactly the same word. Now again, he introduces mistrust. Mistrust of God. God doth know. Oh, what does God know? God knows that, ooh, that's, and here comes the second injection of the venom into Eve. This poisonous venom is going to Eve. What's this meaning? What is he saying here? God doth know. God's envious of you. He's got to keep you under his thumb. God's very weak. He's very weak, and he's got to force you into a state of dependence. You need a crutch, he says to you. He's keeping something back from you. God doth know. What happens to your eyes? Is there any truth? What, happens, what actually happens to your eyes in death? They close, right? But he says, oh, no, the opposite will happen. They'll be open. He says, you won't die. He says, you'll be open. Instead, instead of your eyes closing to death, you're going to see a new light, a new understanding. Now notice what, what Satan uh, promised Eve in verse 5. You shall be as gods. That's the word Elohim. You shall be as Elohim. That's what the word is. You shall be as Elohim. That's what the word is. You'll be like God the Father. You'll like, be like God the Son. You'll be like God the Holy Spirit. He promised Eve a higher position, a higher station, which is what he wanted. That's what Satan wanted, and that's what caused the whole fall, right? He wanted to ascend, that was the big word with him, ascend above the throne of God. Then he said that Eve would know good and evil. That's another promise. That was a promise of being independent of God. Why do we need God? We need God to tell us what's right and wrong. We need God to tell us that's good, that's bad. And that's dependence on God. That's a good thing. 
That's a very good thing. We need to do that. You want to get practice in that? There's a book in the Bible that help you a lot, book of Psalms. Fifteen times in the Bible the phrase, teach me, appears. Fourteen of them are in the Psalms. Teach me. God says, teach me. Show me thy paths, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. Psalm 25.5. First one, Psalm 25.4. Psalm 25.5. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Psalm 86.11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Psalm 119.66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I have believed thy commandments. Psalm 119.68. Thou art good, doest good, teach me thy statutes. Psalm 119.124. Deal with thy servant according to thy mercy, teach me thy statutes. 119.135. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, teach me thy statutes. 143.10. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Bottom line, we need God to teach us. We need God to teach us. We depend on God to teach us what's right, what's wrong. We don't want to be independent from God. But that was the offer that was given to Eve. You don't need God anymore. What we're seeing, and if you turn to this, it's interesting, please, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. Here in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9, it describes Satan. And it says, or, his, his, uh, or the Antichrist, it says, even him who's empowered by Satan, whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power, Bill, all power, and signs, and lying wonders, wonders that lie, wonders that don't lead you to God, wonders that don't lead you to bow the knee before the Lord Jesus Christ. And with all deceivableness. I don't even know if that's a word in our language today, but it's a good word because it means the ability to deceive with all ability to deceive. And um, if unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. This is what Satan has. He has all power. He has lying wonders. He has a great ability to to deceive, far more powerful than you have to discern in yourself, apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from our God. What's the description of those in whom he is successful? According to this verse, how are they described? Them that perish, right? He says, this is them that perish. And then the next question was, what's the reason why they're perishing? Because they didn't receive the love of the truth. They didn't receive the love of the truth. You know that God wants to give to every person a love of the truth? And you know the truth is a person who said, I am the truth? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is truth. He's truth. When Pilate says, what is truth? He got it wrong. He should have said, who is truth? And truth was standing in front of him. God wants to give a love for the Lord Jesus Christ to every person. That's what he wants to do. You know what evangelism is? Evangelism is getting people over their prejudice against him. Prejudice, prejudice counselor. Have you ever thought of yourself as a prejudice counselor? Well, that's what evangelist does. Last week, we had 12 young, brave ladies in Baltimore going door to door in Jewish neighborhoods for 12 weeks. And there was a big, huge commotion. Police called out everything. Very interesting. So the newspaper, Baltimore Jewish Times, 
decided to write it up. So they called me and they said, why are you doing this? You know, they asked, why are you doing this? Here, I get to quote myself. (laughs) Quote. (laughs) I've had this experience talking to Jewish people. You can talk about anything you want. Oh, you found peace, security, wonderful, he said. That's me. Mention one word, Jesus, and you can feel the wind of the door shutting. It's just downright prejudice. That's how I view myself as a prejudice counselor. I'm a counselor for my people. You know, we are all prejudice counselors. We're trying to get people over the prejudice. Why? Because God wants to give to the lost the love of the truth. He wants to give them a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And our job, get them over the prejudice so they can receive from God the love of the truth. The essence of deception is that there's truth in it. There's, there is truth in deception. There's always truth in deception. That's why whoever came up with this wonderful phrase, I mean, it was really smart. Do you swear to tell the whole truth? Okay. The truth. No, do you swear to tell the truth? The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. <laughs> you couldn't get it more clear, could you? <laughs> I, want, I want it. I want all of it. I don't want anything else. <laughs> okay? That's what that statement is saying there. Well, this is what Satan didn't do. He didn't tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Was there any truth in the fact that they would not surely die? Well, they didn't die right away. <laughs> I mean, you know, they didn't, she didn't go, <gasps> you know, so there was a little bit of truth, right? They didn't physically die. They died spiritually. Was there any truth in the devil's promise that their eyes would be opened? Yes. In the day that Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, they had no good and evil. Was her, was her eyes open? Yep, they were immediately open. That was the truth. They knew good and evil. The problem is they knew that they were evil. That was a little problem that they just didn't bother to put in there about the whole truth part. Was there any truth to them becoming Elohim? To them becoming like Elohim? To them to becoming like God and knowing good and evil? Yeah. Genesis 3.22, just the 22nd verse, the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. Yeah, that was it. Only thing is, is that it wasn't just the, the three of the Godhead that they became. They also became like to the God of this world, who also knows the difference between good and evil. So that was just another example of the truth, but not the whole truth. Why did all this happen? Because two things were accomplished by Satan, which will always be accomplished before sin. And that is, they were drawn away from their love, respect, and belief in the goodness of God. They were drawn away from that. And second, they were drawn away from the authority of the Word of God. And they really are tied together. Those are the two factors that have been brought together for the great fall. And the amazing thing is that they were in so much trouble and she was in so much trouble and they had no idea. Because as long as God was elevated in her heart and seen as wonderful, they were safe. But when their belief in God fell, they fell. And as long as the word of God was elevated in their hearts as the final word of authority, they were safe. But when their belief in the authority of the word of God fell, that's what Satan wanted, and that's what caused the whole fall, right? He wanted to ascend, that was the big word with him, ascend above the throne of God. Why do we need God? We need God to tell us what's right and wrong. We need God to tell us that's good, that's bad. 
And that's dependence on God. That's a good thing. You know that God wants to give to every person a love of the truth? And you know the truth is a person who said, I am the truth? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is truth. So now her focus in verse 6 is off of God, and she's looking at the object that that God has said is forbidden, and Satan, Satan has been very successful at focusing her gaze, and she's looking there, and you can see this venom of unbelief already working. You know, thou shalt not surely die in her, and she's resonating in her ears, and it's driving out her thoughts about God, it's driving out her fear of God, and she's just becoming kind of enchanted. But there's three enchantments here with that she's really being taken up that's overpowering her. There's three enchantments. Look at them in uh, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John 2, 15-17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, it is of the world. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. First enchantment she falls under is called, in Genesis 3, seeing the tree as good for food. Looks pretty good for food. Looks like it would taste good. Good. What's that one? Lust of the flesh. 1 John 2, 17. Lust of the flesh. That would taste good and feel good if I ate that. I'm sure of it. Second enchantment she falls under pleasant to the eyes. I don't know what it looked like, but anyways, it must have been pleasant to the eyes. That's what she said. Pleasant to the eyes. What's that? Lust of the eyes. 1 John 2, 17. Third enchantment, she falls under to make one wise. Pride of life, right? Pride of life. A tree to be desired, she called it. A tree to be desired. What is that? A tree to be lusted for. That's lust. A tree to be decided. That's lust. The fires of lust, they're burning inside of her now. And lust, when it was described in James 1.14, it says, Every man is tempted when he has drawn away of his own lust and enticed or enchanted. Well, then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it is finished brings forth death. First enchantment or enticement, then lust, then the act of sin, then death. That's why it's important for us, this, the, as the Bible says, die to self, because that means dying to lust. Okay? So now, notice how it says in verse 3, 6, then she saw that the tree was pleasant to the eyes. That's what it says, Job 3, 31, 7. Mine eye walked after, my heart, sorry. Mine heart walked after mine eyes. That's what Job said. My heart walked after mine eyes. That's why Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why should I look on a maid? He says, my heart follows my eyes. That's what he says. Okay, now, the actual fall. Genesis 3, 6. She took of the fruit thereof and did, did eat. Those words were the act of sin. It was almost as if like, when she did that, there was a camera sitting there in the Garden of Eden. And for that instant, the serpent backs away saying, I didn't do it. And she reaches up there, and there's the Kodak moment. Right there. She took the fruit, and she ate it. Eight words. About a tenth of a verse. And oh, the trouble that came from that. The hereditary load of sin that started at that point. That was Eve's decision. 
That was totally Eve's decision. She was alone in it. She had no one to blame but herself. And then in verse 6, it goes on to say, And she gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. That's characteristic of sin. It defiles others. Why did Adam eat this fruit? We don't know. Maybe she persuaded him. Maybe, no, no, no. Maybe he felt sorry for her. But then the four small words, he did eat. She gave him, and he did eat. Again, Adam's decision, Adam's alone. From those four words comes Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And then it says in verse 7, the eyes of them both were open. Oh, new revelation. And they knew that they were naked. Oh, new knowledge. Their nakedness. Now all of a sudden, they have a new orientation. And it's not, oh, when time's God going to come? I can't wait till he comes to the end of the day, the cool of the day. Got so much to talk about God about. Now, it's not God at all that's in their sight. It's themselves. So they become introspective. They, they say they're, they're looking at themselves, looking at them, each other. And, and, and they're all concerned and occupied with themselves. How do you feel? What did you think about? Maybe there's some significance in what you thought about. You should write down what you thought about, and we should study it for a long time, <laughs> along with the other things. This is introspection. I mean, you're laughing, but this is... Do you know how many people are trapped in this? Very, very trapped in this. I had a dream. What does this dream mean? I don't know. Write it down. It's got to be valuable. And so this is the new orientation. It's not God. It's themselves. And what do they do? They make themselves aprons. This is, this is, this is man's religion. They make themselves Aprons, that's what it says. And made themselves aprons. They made themselves the aprons. That's the definition of religions. Religions is man trying to fix man for God. The truth is, God will fix man. The the man is out there, there he is, making those aprons. And God is saying, "Uh, Adam, I think you've done about enough right now. (laughs) Better let me take over now. See? See? That's why it says in in, uh, Isaiah 53.10, Make his soul, the soul of the Lord Jesus Christ, your offering for sin. Make his soul. Don't make your aprons your offering for sin. Make his soul your offering for sin. And then what happened? Then they went and hid themselves from the presence of God. That's very sad. They hid themselves from the presence of God. Isaiah 59.1, Your sins have separated between you and your God. It's your sins that have caused a separation between you and your God. And then they hide themselves in the presence of God amongst the trees of the garden. That's just stupid. I mean, he, he made the trees. So somehow they think that they, could, I, they can hide from God. He can't see me now. But that's what sin does. It makes people stupid. That's, that's a sad state here. That's a sad situation. Well, that's very bad news to end in. Sorry, that just happens to be where we ended up today. But next week, better news is coming. So don't go out and kill yourself this week. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for re- taking the trouble to record all this for us so that we can, Lord, not be entertained by it, but, be, be, but learn from it 
and come to, 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 to help others, Lord, who are taken captive against their own will by the devil, and also to keep us from falling too. Lord, help us as we read these things to retain them, Lord, to in, within us and to see them be used by us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers this morning. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Do you enjoy this Bible teaching radio program that's on Monday through Friday? We'd like your support to continue Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program going on this station. This Old Testament teaching program is very edifying to the saints as well as encouraging lost Jewish people who do listen to this program and that we do give to them to ensure that they can know who the Jewish Messiah is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to support this Bible teaching radio program that you enjoy, please call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. I'll give that number again. It's 800-247-3051. You can call us with your support of one time or a monthly reoccurring donation to help support this Bible teaching radio program that also supports Jewish evangelism because Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher, is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. And that's why as a Bible teacher, he has a heart for teaching the Old Testament so that Jewish people can understand it as well as Christians. So we need your support to stay on the air. And you can support us by going to friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org. Donate online and support this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism outreach ministry. 100% of your donation will be tax deductible and none of it will be used for administration costs. You can also call us to set up your one-time or monthly reoccurring donation at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051.